This is your Frederick Real Estate Update, a conversation about the regional real estate market with tips for buyers and sellers. Your hosts, REMAX Results' Darren Ahern and Presidential Bank Mortgage's Terry Kernan. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning back in. Welcome to your Frederick Real Estate Update on this snowy Saturday and trying to get to March and get the sun out more and the weather to go up and the snow to melt and get back into the springtime and summertime and all that good stuff. And I also have with me the man, the myth, the legend, the dude with all the money over there, Presidential Bank Mortgage, Mr. Terry Kernan. How you doing? Great, how are you? Welcome back. Off, welcome back onto the land. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> had a great, uh, had a great vacation. Um, uh, was on a boat, and it was awesome. It was just incredible. Can't thank my sister and brother-in-law enough, Kelly and Ed, for taking us, and we just had an incredible time. Yeah, learning. Looking forward to hearing more about it because, man, you said a key word, boat. Anyone that mentions boat in my world, Terry, you think I get excited? Yes, especially, absolutely. Especially, especially if goes, the word cigarettes in front of exactly. it. Exactly. And if it goes really, really fast and we're in Key West, Florida or Miami or so, it's even better. So, all right, let's get right into it, guys. Um, Terry, I did something I haven't done in never pre- unprecedented, never done this ever. I didn't even, I, I, I don't know what it was. I didn't even look up the numbers. I didn't even want to know what's the inventory, the resales, the days on market, the coming soons, the solds, the pendings, the this, the that. I didn't even want to mess with it today, to be honest with you. I kind of forgot, but at the same time, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to put everybody on the edge of their seats that listen in and tune in and next week we're going to hopefully have a surprise. Okay. And the number one surprise I hope we have is more homes that are going to come out for sale because <laughs> that's the issue there's nothing out there yeah and i think what you're talking about is it's a broken record and yeah if the, the numbers are what the numbers are we can go and give you last week's we can go and give you next week's or next week's they're all going to be similar and they're all going to point to that one thing and that is there is nothing on the market yeah in retrospect and some people say well i mean i'm showing i got uh man i got four appointments today today's gonna be busy i got a listing and looking at four homes today and so it's it's going to be all the way until eight o'clock tonight, which I love. Um, as everybody knows, we're you know it's spring. It does feel like the spring market. Things have picked yeah. up tremendously, and that adds insult to injury and salt in the wound. The idea that instead of taking a buyer and going and look at like, hey, Darren, four homes just came up that meet our search criteria. Every single one one of them's two homes, and everybody else is just one house. And that's it. That's literally what we're battling against and fighting against consistently. And so I'll be honest with you. I miss the days of taking a buyer and going and looking at like four or five or six homes. Now, I don't miss the days, which was 2010 and 11, when we had 2,600 homes on the market, or I'm sorry, 2,400 homes on the market. And a buyer would call and say, hey, I got 20 homes I'd like to see, you know, coming up it's like what i remember the days of making and they lists. didn't qualify because they had a foreclosure uh, six yeah, months earlier exactly we had a short sale and a foreclosure six months earlier i got 20 homes i want to go see because i don't want to be homeless but i do actually i remember making lists and saying okay we're we can't but see maybe eight homes in a day or whatever it is 10 homes max marathon if you will uh we got to narrow this puppy dog down and we got to figure out what's going to get an a a list today and a b list 
because and then here's what people would complain about they don't realize you're gonna get um you're gonna get all you know i miss the days when buyers would get all confused and we'd see so many homes that they would get completely confused and everything <laughs> and they'd be like i forgot about the first house and we just saw it today i don't even know i don't remember what color it was yeah. you know we definitely don't have none of those problems now we have a whole set of new challenges and fun things that we work through now and that's why we do this program to be able to help buyers and sellers navigate through the real-time complexities of real estate so that they are armed and dangerous and actually make really good well-informed decisions and so all right with that being said terry let's get into the mortgage updates and ideas we spoke a little bit kind of touched on this a little bit um the fact of what in the heck happened to interest rates this last week yeah so so Two weeks ago when we were on air, we talked about the jobs numbers, okay? Mm -hmm. And the jobs numbers came in at double of what was projected. Now, there's always adjustments and stuff, as we know, uh, but actually the the numbers had adjusted upwards rather than downwards for, wow. for one of the first times. So taking a look at the jobs number, that basically put... Uh, a lot of, um, not fear, but a lot of anxiety, okay? There's a big difference between fear and anxiety. And they, it put a lot of anxiety into the market, and that anxiety is basically saying is the feds are probably not going to give us that rate cut we were looking for in March. Mm -hmm. Right. So on the show I said, well, in two weeks we're going to see the CPI and the PPI, the Consumer Price Index, and the producer price index producer price index came out yesterday um, or, and basically what it said is that it was much higher than expected okay it came in at 0.6 percent and the bottom line is it was much higher now if you take a closer look at that PPI what do you have you have the cost of goods this is what producers pay to have things made right so the cost of goods sold actually dropped by 0.2 percent which is in my mind that's good news that the cost to produce something came down but the cost of goods and services went way up yeah and that's what kind of concerns me a little bit so that went up and that further solidified that the numbers we got on wednesday from the consumer uh price index and that is what people actually pay for those goods that are produced the consumer price index went up 0.3 percent that was way above even though 0.3 percent is not that big okay it went it was up it was only going to be around 0.1 percent to all the all the smart people yeah. i call i call them the smart people oh, okay yeah. so so it's, it doesn't sound like a big difference, but to the market, it was a monster, monster, monster difference. So we've had a really, really bad couple weeks since those jobs numbers came out. And the anticipation was that the reason that the rates popped up is the reason that the rates popped up is one, it signifies every sign is pointing to that the feds cannot cut rates in March. They're not going to cut rates. There was talk back at Christmas time that we might get an yeah. early spring cut in the February, uh, but no, that's not going to happen. The March meeting, definitely, we're probably looking at a 100% chance that they are not going to cut um, 
that yeah, they're not going to cut. Signs. And it's probably going to be pushed out to the first time that they'll consider looking at it is May, which means we've got three more months of these numbers that have to keep come rolling in. Yeah. So what do those numbers mean? It means basically that inflation is not... Uh, it has kind of leveled out in the 3.1% range, yep. and that's still too high. It takes a long time to bring inflation under control. It takes a very short time, as we saw back when they called it transitory inflation. Exactly. We One saw, tweak, bam. Yeah. Yep. We, we saw how fast inflation can go up, but we're also experiencing how slow it comes down. And it's kind of like losing weight. Not that I know anything about losing weight here, but... <laughs> But you basically can lose a lot of weight in the beginning, but then you plateau, and that's kind of what we're seeing with inflation. It's it's plateauing in the 3% range, and that's not good enough for uh, the feds, so they're not going to cut until that time. My fear, my fear, is that if they wait too long to cut rates, then we're going to be in a bad situation. When they raise rates and cut rates, it takes time for that to work, mm -hmm. okay? Right. So my belief is you have to look forward. You have to say, what is going on six, nine months from now? What is our goal? Our goal is to get inflation down. Uh, but but our goal is also not to put us into a recession. So it's a double-edged sword that oh, we're yeah. working there. Rope. And as long as the jobs numbers keep coming in, then I think that that's going to be a situation. We have seen inflation in Europe get under control. But I remind you that one of the reasons that I think inflation in Europe is getting under control is because people are not spending as much. Yeah. Consumer spending did yep. go down yep. this week. So we saw a little improvement in rates. And then once the C CPI and PPI came out, but... Uh, rates went back up, okay? Anything that we gained went right back up. So rates have gone from in the six and a quarter, six and three eighths range. Now we're in the six and three quarter, seven percent range. Rates jumped up tremendously in the last two weeks. In some programs, they've gone up almost one percent. So do I think it's temporary? I think things are going to settle down. We do have a long weekend. Uh, there was a lot of uh, volatility this past week but i think that the in order to keep the market moving forward rates are going to have to settle down say it all the time i can sell stability i can't sell volatility yeah and so we're going to see i think some stability coming back to the market and then right around the corner the first week of march what are we going to get? We're going to get the jobs numbers in this monthly cycle starts all over again. So keep an eye on jobs numbers. Keep an eye on the next CPI. But between now and then, I don't see rates coming down because people want to know, was this a fluke that things popped up and that the jobs went up, the inflation yeah, kind of yeah. came back and reared its ugly head? You know, is this a fluke or is this a trend? And if it's a trend... Rates are going to go up. They're going to go up past 7% again. And I think that number where it really halted the market was 8%. You and I were talking this morning about, you know, at 8%. But I think as long as people have the ability to buy in the United States with that magical credit card. That's it. We're not going to nope. totally be able to get inflation under control because people want it. They're going to buy it. They don't care what the price because... Yeah. They're not they're not paying for it in real time. They're paying for it at 
three dollars a month yeah and they're going to also refinance their house with you which means they're going to pull 50 or a hundred thousand dollars out of the equity that's come up in the last four to six years heavily and just start all over again because we can because that's because just the can. way that's how we roll yeah it's like it's no different than the government raising the debt ceiling it's like there is no debt ceiling it's it's a bogus thing it's never not gonna happen we're just going to keep spending. So I listened to a really good podcast this week and something that they had said, number one, he had said there was about, they were doing polls and they were saying there's about a 39% chance that the Fed will cut rates in even May. And I was like, wow. So that was one th thing that got thrown out there. The other thing about inflation that came up was really interesting. And they were talking very deep about the dynamics of a lot of this is really coming not so much from consumerism, but it's coming from our government overspending like no tomorrow. And there's a factor within all that. And I never put that two and two together. So I've been paying attention a lot closer to some of the economic dynamics of how that works um, in that regard as well. Um, and then as far as affordability, as far as everything else, um, I won't mention the name of the business, but they sell a lot of coffee. And I went there and my son's girlfriend manages one of these places. And I just said, hey, have you, how privy are you to the sales and the numbers and the volume and our sales down this week or this month or whatever? She's like, it's booming like crazy. And I said, okay, do you know anything about like at what point does that coffee neat little latte thing, where, where's the magical number? And here's where I'm going with it. Where's the magical number to where you guys are going to see the drive-through and the line in the store go down significantly in sales? She said 10 bucks until they could, this company could literally raise their lattes to $9.95 and everything's okay. But it goes across ten dollars. That threshold. Boom! There's the threshold. There's where they know for sure business is going to go down. Sales are going to go down, which means profits are going to go down, and all that stuff like that. And I'm like, ten dollars the number? You mean to tell me it's not nine? It's not eight? And she's like, Oh no! There's growth. There is a lot of room wow. to take prices way up. And so the reason why I brought that little thing up, because it sounds funny, because it's like, well, people are slowing down buying cars and slowing down doing this and slowing down on big ticket items. But on everyday, small, little, tiny things that, that add up to be a lot, they're not even thinking about. They could care less. We're going to keep living large, baby. And so that's, that's a scary, scary uh, thing to think like. Wow, that's pretty unbelievable. And the reason why I brought that up, Terry, is because we will talk about rates. We were talking about where's the line, where is the line, and we know right now, Mortgage News Daily, um, it just jumped up, what is it, 7, oh, conventional was like, what, 7.14, I think it said. And in my mind, I'm seeing more buyers than ever. Like, we're getting busy, busy, busy. So what I'm learning is the demand is there. And I started thinking about what interest rate number is the breaking point where our buyers are going to say, I'm done, I'm out, tap out. And we said, what number was that? I believe that um, when we saw rates go above 8% yep. in back in October, mm -hmm. uh, they went up to 8.25%. They went up very fast, and then they did rebound, um, and they came back down very fast. But, but when that happened, I believe that that was the mark. It's, the, it's just like you said with the coffee. Don't, don't sell me a... $10 cup of coffee. Sell me a $9.95 cup of coffee. There it is. Yep. Don't give me an 8 
and a quarter percent interest rate. Give me a 7.99% interest rate. There you okay? go. I'll take the 7.99 all day long. I'm not going to take the eight and a quarter. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I think that 8%, but I've been talking on the show a couple years ago when we talked about thresholds with rates. And I said, you know, if the market gets to five, yeah, people are going to probably slow down a little bit. <laughs> They're going to stop. And then all of a sudden it's like, I look like an idiot. So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to revamp that threshold. And, uh, I'm going to say 6%. If we get to 6, yeah, things are going to slow. Demand hurt. is really going to hurt. Yep. And then I'm idiot again. <laughs> it's a it's a, a 1D 10T as they say, an idiot. A 1D 10T. But then and then so I revamped it and I said, "Okay, if we go past 7, there's no way yep. anybody's going this to want gonna to it's going to blow up." And nope. I've changed that threshold because I felt the threshold at eight percent, so I'm sticking with eight percent for now as the threshold for <laughs> yeah. now, uh, with the ability to change my mind, right? Yes, absolutely. That's you fair. Get that option. That's I, option. I, I get an option That's because your contingency. when you don't look good, especially on radio, yeah, okay, and it's hard not to look good on radio. Right? That's right. Uh, but uh, when you don't look good in a prediction that I thought was so true. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, but now eight percent. We saw that threshold, and I never thought two years ago we'd be talking about eight percent interest rates. Never, never dreamed it. But yep. once again, it goes back to what I talked about. The word I mentioned, words, uh, transitory, bad word, inflation, bad word. Don't yep. put the two of them together. No, 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 okay? no. Okay, and transitory isn't that bad of a word, but when it's in front of inflation, it meant temporary inflation, which which we as a world found out is not true. Yeah. Um, and I believe that the Fed's, you know, caused a lot of what we're dealing with now because they treated it as it was going to go away. Yeah, the thing I love you said about the uh, putting those things together, and I think mortgage lender, real estate agent, meteorologist, we, we can put those all together because, Terry, we can kind of be wrong on some things here and just go, it's all good. We're going to recover from this. It's fine. Nobody's dying here. Just like the snow. They predicted last night we were going to get seven to eight inches of snow up on the mountain where we're going to be, and we got four inches. Am I mad at the meteorologist? No, I'm not mad at all. We got four inches. It's fine. <laughs> Kids are still playing it, riding sleds. Everything's good. That's just less we have to shovel and deal with. That's a wonderful thing today, right? So <laughs> that's a good thing today. So, all right, let's get into preparing. Here's the subject matter today, boys and girls. This is something that is a live, real thing, in real time, going on. Pay attention. Get out your Sharpies. This is what you're paying big bucks to listen to our show and tune in for. And here it comes. Terry, preparing to write a contract and go to war with other buyers. Because we are in the spring market. There's no doubt we're going to. All right, got a client selling it house under contract buyers loan is fully approved we're just waiting trying to get something scrambling scratch and we're going back out today at it um so his house two hundred thousand dollars cash to put down is that a good position terry to be in when you're buying a house i'll take it yes sir. take it baby two hundred thousand dollars to put it down um we saw a place downtown frederick last week four hundred nineteen thousand dollars really good price i knew right away oh this puppy dog is, is wayne six would have said this thing should have been listed at 430 435 ish man they came in low so what did i know we got there, Terry, and there were like five cars, five showings at one time. This thing had 65 showings. 
12 offers in the first five minutes, and five of them were sight unseen. No joke. This is what happened. 12 other offers. So we're coming in with our A game, baby. You got $200,000 to put down. We're, the house is in great shape. Waving appraisals, $5,000 under appraisal addendum. No inspection. Say that with me. No inspection? No inspection. $200,000 passed. Non-contingent. No home to sell. Nobody to consult. Nobody to talk with and have a problem. 40% down payment. No closing help. I mean, I made this thing about as clean as you can get. I mean, clean. What position do you think my buyer came in a racehorse with 12 other horses beside him? Not in first. He wasn't in first His place. Ricky Bobby it. says if you no, ain't first, flip. you're last. Exactly. You might as well been last. We came in third place. Third. He congratulated me. My buyer said, well, I didn't get the home, but we came in third. Congratulations, Darren. You're an awesome agent. Why did he not get it? We bid it up to 430. We went. We went. 11000 higher in price in escalation, waived everything, no appraisal, no nothing, as clean as can be. And the agent said they went higher. And they were. And here's the best. Get ready. Not only did they also not do a home inspection, they had more cash, more greenbacks than your guy. Well, that means it's a cash deal. They're going 430 cash, no closing help. There ain't no loan involved. There's nothing. That's the only thing I can think of. Now, here's what I want to put out as a disclaimer, Terry, is this is important. The other agent is ethical, and they're awesome because they did not tell me all of the fine grain or details. They gave me just enough to know what was the deciding factor, and that's all. And they're still protecting their seller, which I love those kind of agents that have ethics, too. But yet, play, play. With you know, there, there's just some nice right. honesty enough to say this is the this is this, but I can't give you that. I'll give you 75 percent of the pie, but not 100 percent of the pie, if you will. So we're going back out today, and my guy knows we're still bringing our A game, baby. So 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 if this was a horse race, they would have won something. Yeah, that's they right. They would have showed, so they would have won something. Yeah, but, but you really, it's winner take all. It okay. is winner take this all. This is this is the Hunger Games winner take all, and you have to come up with a strategy. And you and I have talked about this before on the show, and we're starting to see it because it's the spring market, and I've seen a tremendous amount of uptick in demand. People getting pre-qualified, people getting geared up. The one thing that I always see is that the first offer that they make mm -hmm. is usually kind of like full price offer. That's it, and then. They don't get it. They come in 11th place out of 12. And then the next offer, they might go, okay, we're going to go 5% uh, up or 5,000 up or whatever the case may be. And now they've moved up and now they're in seventh place out of 12 contracts. And then they start to get serious. And yep. then they start to say, okay. Um, and they go, we're going to go 10,000 up. And then boom, they're down to fourth place. So to get to first place, what do you have to do? What do you have to do? And you have to have that serious conversation with not only your realtor, but your lender. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. W what does that look like? And that's so very important to come up with this strategy to buy a house. And it's and and the ultimate goal is to buy a house, right? Yeah, get in. Get but in what you, you want. can't buy a house unless you win a contract. That's right. And presenting a contract doesn't mean you're going to get it in a spring market. And when there is nobody putting their house on the market. There are going to be multiple offers, and we're going to start to experience this. Now, you and I would not have had this conversation three, four weeks ago. 
Mm, yeah, right. Oh, yeah, exactly, because it wasn't quite like that. But now it's starting to feel like we're getting back to multiple offers. Yeah, we are. And under. Hey, this is the first time I did an uh, under appraisal addendum, which to remind everybody, since we had to blow the dust off it because it's been a year or two, yeah. that's when a buyer says, I'm willing to bring, no matter what it appraises at, I'm willing to bring 5000 10000 20000 above that appraised amount so I don't lose this home. Or it's a wide open checkbook. It may say it doesn't matter what it appraises at. I'm bringing the difference in cash 100% no matter what. So two thoughts before I forget. So so you're leading down to what it gets to get. So somebody out there might ask, what does it take for them to have been number one? It's simple. I could have gone to my buyer and said, look, it's great that I'm selling your house and you're walking out with $200,000 cash, but you need another $250,000. So that 401, that retirement money you got, you need to go cash that out, Jack. You know what? He could have probably got the house then. Mm-hmm. But would okay. that have been taking care of my client and being ethical and all that stuff? Would have put him in a bad position. There you go. Possibly big time bad. So, could have. Could have so put him in a bad position. I did position. bring it up. I did say, are you willing to maybe get money from 401 or other resources or anything else to be able to put more and more money down to maybe compete more? And the answer, of course, would be no. Um, that's not. No, no. Here's my threshold. This is like everything I can do possibly known to man at this point with my position. There comes a point where an agent can only work with so much. But on the back end, Terry, this is the other fun side of this equation of something like this. What do you think the offers were that were submitted of number 10, 11, and 12 position? Number one, I guarantee you, they those were the buyers that are like, this is first too contract, high. First contract offer, what I just talked about. Yeah. They're going in at list price. No, they're, I guarantee you, <laughs> one of them was under yeah, the list price. Yeah. I'm looking for, that's that buyer that says, <laughs> Terry, I'm looking for a deal, I'm looking for and a I deal. got a, I want a real estate agent that's going to find me a deal. Uh, John, horse, John Doe? The, then, yeah. Oh, I don't <laughs> just want to offer a less than asking price. I want closing help. I want a home inspection. I want pizza for a year. I want buy-down money. <laughs> we can just keep going on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. I want you to cut my grass for a year, Mr. Sauer. And that's the racehorse that came in number 12, boys and girls. And you know what? This is what is important about having the experience you and I have well over almost 50 years combined experience in real estate stuff. This is why it's so important to have a strategy to where you're going out on the field with the intention of winning the flipping game, period. I'm in this to win this, not the burn paper up, not to see buyers and sellers mad. And then, then the other argument, and I'll finish up. I want your last thoughts because we have a minute and a half on the show. Okay, what about the seller? What about the seller that says, oh, man, I got uh, 30, 50 showings and 12 offers. Hey, Mr. Selling, how Mr. Listing Real Estate Agent I hired, you priced my house too low. No, they didn't. That, that agent just got you more money than you would have gotten just with one offer, and I guarantee it. I promise you. That's how this works. So the best, the most money a seller's ever going to get have the biggest bidding war you've ever created known to man. And I guarantee you're not going to have to fix anything. You're going to have inspections out the window. You're not giving closing help. You're not buying someone pizza for a year. You're not doing nothing but taking the most amount of cash and saying bye-byes. Okay. All right. How do you, what do you think about that? Uh, I, th I think that there's a lot of point to that. And, and the key is let's figure out how to be 
the winning horse. Let's not figure out how to be the 12th horse. That's it. Okay. Yep. Let's go through the motion. So when somebody comes in, no matter who they are or what they do, their age, everything, I ask them, do you have a retirement fund? Do you have the opportunity for a gift letter? And they look at me and they're like, well, I have enough to go to closing. And I said, yes, but do you have enough to win? Yeah. And and that's what's important. So you take a look and you say, well, yeah, I got 100000 in my 401k. Well, I'm not asking you to withdraw it, but if you need it to take a little more extra out, mm-hmm. to get a little stronger, you can take a loan against it. So, All right, that, guys, there you go. Call Terry as well. He's part of the racehorse winning because without this guy in the mortgage side, we can't win nothing unless somebody has cash. But that's it, right? Well, that's our only chance and hope. Hey, guys, have a great weekend. Happy buying and selling from your Frederick Real Estate Update. We are here for you. See you next week now. Take care. It's Meg Goller with Community Title Network. Experience close to home. Community Title Network is the most trusted title and settlement partner for real estate professionals, buyers, and sellers. Our team is comprised of the most skilled and experienced underwriters in our region to ensure your rights are secured as an owner or as a lender. We combine that with our skilled and experienced attorneys, settlement agents, and processing staff who ensure a smooth closing experience. Our Frederick office is conveniently located along Carroll Creek in downtown Frederick. For your next settlement, Give Community Title Network a call. We're at 301-304-6620. At Community Title Network, we challenge the norm. Where good is the benchmark for many, we aim for greatness. Hello, this is Terry Kernan with Presidential Bank Mortgage in downtown Frederick. And the best way to reach me always is on my cell phone at 301-639-9244. 301-639-9244, or you can always email me at tkernan at presidential.com. And this is Darren Ahern from REMAX Results. You can reach me anytime, 240-344-1713. Again, it's 240-344-1713 or at DarrenAhern at gmail.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to your Frederick Real Estate Update. We will see you each and every Saturday right here on WFMD at 11 o'clock. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. This is 930 WFMD and WFMD.com. Now, WFMD News. One man died after he was stabbed at Mount Olivet Cemetery in Frederick. Police say just before 9 a.m. on Wednesday, February 14th, officers were called to the cemetery for a stabbing. They found a man with apparent stab wounds. The officers began providing first aid and requested emergency medical services. The victim, identified as Jimmy Fernando Hernandez Diaz, was taken to an area trauma center where he died. Authorities say the investigation continues into this incident. They're asking residents in the area of Mount Olivet Cemetery or 340 Field Point Boulevard who have cameras or surveillance systems to check their footage between the hours of 6 a.m. and 8.45 a.m. on Wednesday and contact police if they see anything that could be helpful to this investigation. The Maryland General Assembly is considering a bill which addresses juvenile sex offenders. The legislation sponsored by Baltimore County Delegate Nino Mangione would prevent juvenile sex offenders from attending public schools in Maryland. He says this measure follows reports that a juvenile who was convicted for raping a three-year-old and a two-year-old was enrolled in classes at Patterson High School in Baltimore. My concerns are with the victims, and it's not with the perpetrator who in this case 
has committed such horrifying and heinous acts. And I couldn't sit by and sit back and not take action to prevent this person or others like him from ever attending schools and potentially destroying another girl's life. As part of his punishment, the youth was required to attend school. Mangione says these offenders would not be prohibited from attending remote classes or being homeschooled. The bill is before the Rules and Executive Nominations Committee because it was introduced after the deadline to bring legislation before the House of Delegates. I'm Kevin McManus, WFMD News. Fox News, I'm Ann Carrick. Vice President Kamala Harris and Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky met at a high-stakes conference in Munich, Germany, as Congress works on a deal to deliver aid to Ukraine. The Vice President. The issue of supporting Ukraine and where the United States stands on that issue is integral to who we are as the United States of America. Many at the conference condemning the death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. One firefighter is dead, nine more injured, plus two civilians after a home in Virginia explodes. Chris lives nearby. All of a sudden, it felt like the whole house came down on us. It, I mean, the, it, I thought the bunk beds had fallen, I thought something had happened, and the kids started freaking out. It's crazy. The cause is under investigation of last night's explosion. America's listening to Fox News. WFMD Skyscan forecast for Frederick and the surrounding counties. For this afternoon, could see a slight chance of some rain and snow, then gradually becoming mostly sunny later on this afternoon. High 37. Tonight, mostly clear, low 19. Tomorrow, Sunday, sunny, high 44. Mostly clear on Sunday night, low 26. On Monday, President's Day, sunny, high of 46. Clear Monday night, low 27. PJ's Roofing, when it comes to your roof, they've got you covered. Visit pjsroofing.com. I'm Jim Tice. You still thinking job change in the new year? Yeah, I need something that's in high demand and more stable in this economy. IT? Yeah, cybersecurity, maybe even AI. That's what I did. Really? How? Went to my computer career. You don't need any prior experience, and you could start your new career in a matter of months. A lot of IT pros go to school there, too, to level up. Sweet. Are classes online or on campus? Both. Wow, I'll check it out. Thanks. Make this your year. Take the free career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Financial aid is available for qualified students, including the GI Bill. Hi, this is Scott Trout of Cordell & Cordell. If you're a dad who is facing divorce, there are extra layers of stress that may include stereotypes and assumptions. No two situations are the same. Our legal experience and dedication prepare us for whatever legal challenges we face together. You need a partner you can count on. For more than 30 years, Cordell & Cordell has represented men in divorce. Offices in Fairfax, Virginia and Frederick, Maryland. Schedule an appointment with one of Cordell & Cordell's attorneys. Online at CordellCordell.com. Join Mark Patrick Seminars. Lose the weight or stop smoking guaranteed. Early bird special only $49.99. Seminar Tuesday, March 12th at the Hilton Garden Inn in Frederick. Weight loss seminar starts at 5.30. Registration 5 p.m. Stop smoking starts at 8 p.m. Registration 7.30 p.m. 930 WFMD. Streaming at WFMD.com. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Frederick County Weekend Sports Show here on 930 WFMD. I'm your host, Steve Nibbs. And today we're going to be talking swimming, and specifically at Oakdale High School, where I have my special guests are the two head coaches at Oakdale who just came away with the county championships. With me for the girls, the head coach, Miss Bridget Cavanaugh. Coach, thank you for joining us, and welcome. 
Thank you for having me. And the head boys coach at Oakdale, Mr. Damon Allen. And Damon, thank you for being here as well. Welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me too. So those of those who don't know Coach Allen or Coach Cavanaugh, how about tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to Oakdale, uh, Coach Cavanaugh? Sure. So I actually grew up in Frederick County, and I swam for Urbana High School all four years of high school. And then I went on to swim in college. And after I graduated college and became a teacher, I knew one of the head coaches at Oakdale High School, Melissa Lapham, and she offered me a position to coach at the school. And I've been there ever since. Indeed, I I taught Melissa. She was at TJ back in the day, and I won't go and you know we uh, divulge my age, so we'll leave it at that. <laughs> so, what was my really good friend? Yes, was was it your idea to come back to Frederick County? Yes, it was. I taught for two years in Virginia, and then um, when I wanted to do something different, I came back to Frederick. Coach Allen, a little bit about yourself. Uh, so basically, my involvement in swimming was mostly uh, based on mostly well leisure swimming laps for fun, and I got involved with the Monocacy Aquatic Club about eight years ago, working with two deaf swimmers. And about four years ago, I decided to give it a go and try coaching high school swimming. And I started out as the assistant coach for Oakdale and became the head coach about a year later. And so I'm still involved with uh, Monocacy Aquatic Club setting up programs for deaf swimmers in the near future. What was it about the Frederick area that brought you here? Um, so basically, I've been moving around a lot with my family, and I uh, settled in Maryland well, a couple decades ago, and I was attending college, uh, Frederick Community College and Hood College, and I decided to stay in the area and get involved with Frederick County Public Schools and in swimming, so I decided to stick around. If I may say so, Coach, you do have an accent. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm originally uh, grew up in the United Kingdom. Very good. Glad to have you here, and we're glad. And I know Coach uh, Walcott is glad to have you both of you over there at Oakdale. Let's go with you first this time, Coach Allen, and talk about this year's squad and and how that county championship came about. Uh, so basically, uh, we've been working all year long to uh, really work as a team and to swim as a team, even though we're all comprised of a variety of individuals, uh, elite swimmers, uh, summer elite swimmers, and some just can just come and swim for their high school team. And it's a great group of kids, uh, different personalities, different experiences that all came together and worked as a team and to succeed as a team and throughout the entire season everyone grew and matured and with every dual meet and uh, we uh, uh the lads only lost uh, one meet specifically against her banner and it was a close one and so we came into counties with our heads held high and with the hope that we will do everything we can and to succeed and we pulled it off at counties 
last weekend. Indeed you did. And congratulations on that win. Coach Cavanaugh, how about the on the girls' side? Yeah, um, a very similar answer to Coach Damon. We run our team as one Oakdale team, so our girls and boys do practice together and cheer each other on. I will say that this, the what made this team stand out from other years that I've coached is the depth of our team. Is like unlike anything we've ever had before. We had so many kids join our team this year that had been swimming for a really long time, um, which, as you, as I'm sure you can figure out, really makes. Uh, such a difference in a sport like swimming where it's a conditioning-based sport. Right. Um, but then also our kids that our kids did a really good job this year at starting to meet some new people and work together. Like a lot of our relays were comprised of students that swim for different club teams during the year. So they really had to kind of figure out how to work together. So definitely the depth. And then additionally, the experience. Last year's county meet, our girls came very close to winning. In fact, we only lost to Urbana by one point. However, a majority of our point scorers that year were freshmen, and I think it made a huge difference that coming in this year, the majority of our point-scoring um, swimmers were um, experienced at the county meet. Indeed, and I guess both of you would agree that as far as scoring goes, swimming is somewhat similar to track and field because you don't have to win each event. It's that depth you pointed out, Coach, that can really come into play. Correct. The girls, on the girls' side, we won four out of the 11 events, which is not even half. Right. And so and we still won by a sizable amount of points. Indeed. That's, that's, that, that's such a key there. Uh, Coach Allen, we've got the – region the regions coming up soon uh talk about how does a whole team able to go or is it based on you know the the times and those events in the top six go how does how does that work uh so basically um we are going to regionals and we uh have to select our fastest swimmers to be able to go because we only have a certain number of slots available and so our fastest swimmers that are going are going to regionals, and we'll see how they do, which is going to take place on Monday now. Okay. So we, we'll have to see how it goes. Indeed. Bridget, how about you? Yeah, same. We um, send two people for to swim each event, and we send one relay. Okay, so Thank one you. relay, and you're only allowed two swimmers per event? Correct. Okay, and then, Coach Allen, if you get past, what do you have to do to get through the regionals and then be able to swim at the states? Uh, so basically, they just have to swim the best they can and don't get a DQ. If they do get a DQ, they will not swim at states. Okay. And if they really do well with a decent time, they'll swim again at states. Coach Cavanaugh, where does the majority of competition come when you go down and, and get to the regionals and then on to the states? So this is actually our – we have moved regions this year for the first time. Okay. So it's kind of like a 
Well, year for us, we had been swimming in 1A, 2A, 3A West region. This year, we just moved up to the 3A, 4A South region with the larger schools. Okay. So, um, so there's been a lot of movement in regionals, so it's kind of going to be more of a trial basis. We're going to see, go and see how we do. All righty. Both coaches, and we'll go with Coach Coach Cavanaugh first. Lost a, uh, a pool a few years back when Frederick opened up, left two pools uh, in the county, Middletown and Walkersville. And I serve with 10 schools. That's certainly been interesting for practices. How has that evolved? How they've been able to, to work that out? Yeah, so we actually, our team actually practices at the Natelli YMCA in Urbana, okay. um, along with Lancaster in Urbana. So we do have a third pool for practice, but gotcha. we do not have meat at that pool. It makes the makes the scheduling the meets very tough and very tight. Um, that there are meets uh, many days of the week. Um, I wouldn't want to be the scheduler. Renee <laughs> does a phenomenal job at getting it all to fit in because I know that it's a big job and a lot of work. Indeed, Coach Allen, uh, going to the Y certainly is a nice place to be able to practice. Yeah, the Y is a very nice facility to swim at. And unfortunately, we only have six lanes to use, and there's a lot of people coming and going using the other two lanes and uh, the kitty pool nearby. And, yeah. And so, Do you think that at, in some time, at some time in the future, they may allow possibly have meets there, or is that that's just going to be at the extra pool to practice? It seems like it's going to be the extra pool for us to use for practice. There has not been talk about us using that for meets, partially because our meets are on weeknights um, when the facility is in use for the public. So I don't foresee that happening, but I guess it's possible. Uh, yeah, I, that makes sense when you talk about it being uh, for the entire public, but it certainly looks from the outside uh, like an outstanding facility, as Coach Allen indicated. Um, yeah, beautiful pool. Indeed. Coach Allen, uh, you've been coaching a while. Um, what are some of the key ingredients that you feel are necessary to have build a program that be, that is competitive and consistent? Uh, so you asked a really good question. Uh, so basically, we focus on encouraging our swimmers to work as a team and to build up their endurance, which the building of the endurance is twofold. And basically, those that are sprinters get to really uh, build their endurance, swimming incredibly fast, where when they finish their races, they still have energy to compete in their next race. The distance swimmers get to build their speed and continue swimming at a strong pace. When they finish their distance swims, they still have energy as well. There has always seemed to be a collaborative work between the high school team and the kids swimming for their club team is that something that needs to be done each and every year and, and the schedules accordingly 
Yes, it is. It's definitely a, a process to get um, to work together. It has we. It's been successful for us recently. So, and a lot of the club coaches have stayed the same. But since we don't really talk to the club coaches very much, a lot of our communication goes through the kids, and actually that goes to, with the parents as well. So it's a good learning experience, honestly, for the students too to um, be in charge of the communication. Okay, Coach Allen, what are what yeah. are some things? that you have found out about yourself in coaching high school kids? Uh, I've always uh, enjoyed working with uh, kids and uh, specifically uh, teenagers growing up because they look for role models and and especially when they see a deaf man communicating with them, working with them, it's a completely new experience for them. And for me, I just really enjoy working with them, helping them grow, mature, and uh, reach their full potential, no matter what they're doing, if it's swimming or in the classroom. It's it's a real pleasure to work with these uh, teens and children in general, watch them grow, mature, and become uh, functioning and caring adults. Very good. Coach Cavanaugh, looking at you being from Frederick County, you're a FCPS student, athlete, you come back. Um, did that whole experience give you a better understanding? And or what are some of the things you found out about you as a coach? Yeah, I absolutely loved high school swimming when I was in high school. I think it was one of the best experiences that I had as a teenager, which is really why I wanted to come back and try to make it happen for the kids. I'm actually also an elementary school teacher. So Uh, one thing I've learned is how different it is to teach elementary school versus coaching high school. It's um, definitely a shift for me going from one to the other. And I have actually a handful of these kids. I actually taught how to swim, or I was one of their first swim coaches when they were like six years old on the summer swim team, um, that, uh, the Spring Ridge Sharks summer swim team that I coach for. So it's kind of been a, a neat experience to see them grow up, too. Oh, indeed. Um, what are, is, are the kids that you teach in elementary school, do they eventually go to Oakdale? No, they oh. I teach at Whittier Elementary. Oh, they okay. go to Frederick High School. Okay. But there are some kids on Frederick High School's team that were in my um, class okay. at Whittier that I get to see at the meets. That's always a neat experience, for sure. Mm-hmm. Coach uh, Allen, it's, yeah. it's, it sounds like it's, for me, and it was the same situation. Relationships are a big key when coaching these young people. Um, yeah, so I work at, uh, PJ middle school. Okay. And so I do see some of the students that eventually go to Oakdale. Okay. And uh, I do see, uh, potential swimmers at TJ middle and they, uh, go to Oakdale. They have an opportunity to try out for the team. So they get to see me at the middle school and then they see me at the high school at tryouts. It's, uh, it's like, oh, I know him. They feel more comfortable <laughs> being around that group. I understand that completely. Coach Cavanaugh, looking at, as you continue to coach, uh, f- finding that and having that those relationships between coach and athlete really is, the, is one of the key pieces of coaching. 
Absolutely. I um, really make it a point every year to try to develop a relationship with all of the swimmers on the team, which is hard um, coming from a team of 70 kids. I, but I do really try, and I do think it makes such a difference in in how the team functions, but then also in everybody's attitude and being there. Like if coaches have to be the models for what they want the, the team to do. So if I'm making it a point to reach out to kids and um, get along with kids and get to know kids, then the goal is that hopefully they start to do that for each other as well. And um, we have – we have had a pretty good pattern of um, sportsmanship and teamwork and like support on our team. So that definitely is a goal that we, that we find really important at Oakdale. Have you found the same thing, coach Allen? Yes, I did. Uh, Especially on the sportsmanship. Our team has usually raises the bar when it comes to sportsmanship. They're cheering not only their teammates on, but they're cheering on their opponents as well. They're also wishing them a a good race and always congratulating them no matter what happens at the end of the race. That was a great race no matter what. And uh, cheering everybody on. I mean, sometimes the the meets become so electrifying from all the cheering. It's fun to be there no matter what. Indeed, I've had that experience uh, going to the county competition myself and watching and it is it is definitely very exciting uh to be a part of that um coach allen we'll start with you on this question um do you see any tweaks to high school swimming as far as rules or changes in competition or anything like that in the future uh to be perfectly frank, I just go with the flow okay. of how things work out. Uh, yeah, it's just because you never know what something can happen that will make a change. I'm always hopeful that uh, the high school swimming will adopt uh, a new starting system that will not only benefit uh, swimmers who are deaf and, or hard of hearing, but it will help benefit hearing swimmers as well. They don't have to rely on listening to a buzzer or a whistle. They just use a light system. That would be nice, but I don't see it happening within the next few years, probably in a decade, hopefully. But it's, it's a brilliant program. And it works, and there will be no false starts from what the research has indicated. And I'm hoping that gets included in the future, but changes in the rules... Uh, again, I just go with the flow. Whatever the rules happen to be changed, I'll, I'll follow them. Indeed. I like the idea of the light. That that makes a lot of sense to me. Anything that you may see, Bridget? Um, I think I'm just, like, constantly amazed by how swimming continues to get faster. It's <laughs> so shocking. that, Like, I've been in the county swimming for a long time, and um, every year we seem to take down, as a county, a lot of county records. And you look at the record board, and you just can't imagine seeing somebody go faster, and then they do. So I'm sure that we have that in store for us in the future, but we'll see how low the times can really get. Bridget and Damon, uh, you know, this is always in- I enjoy doing this because I'm able to talk to coaches throughout the county. Uh, but as it happens, when you j- enjoy doing something and talking about it, time flies by and we are running out of time. So first, Damon, thank you for being with us uh, today. 
continued success at Oakdale. Good luck at the regions on Monday because we're rooting for you, and good luck the rest of the year. Thank you. Bridget, same to you. Uh, it's it's always fun, and you've got this 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 postseason coming up. The the regionals. Good luck there as uh, down there on Monday, and hope that maybe bring home some state titles. Uh, but continue success uh, here in Frederick County at Oakdale, and and teaching as well. Thank you. You've been listening to the Frederick County Weekend Sports Show here on 930 WFMD. I'm your host, Steve Nibbs, and we'll see you next week. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. News Radio 930. WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio.